When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Press This, the WordPress community podcast featuring exclusive content and interviews with leaders in the WordPress community, covering everything from development to integrating your digital marketing strategy with WordPress. Join host David Vogelpohl of WP Engine and special guests from across the community as they keep you up to speed on the latest advancements in WordPress. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Press This WordPress Community Podcast on Webmaster Radio. This is your host, David Vogelpohl. I support the WordPress community through my role at WP Engine, and I love to bring the best of the community to you here every week on Press This. As always, you can subscribe on iTunes or iHeartRadio, and of course, you can find us at webmasterradio.fm. In this episode, I'm super excited. We're going to be interviewing WordPress mega celebrity, uh, the founder of WP Beginner, owner of Optin Monster. WP Forms and Monster Insights, Mr. Syed Bauke. Syed, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, David. It's an honor. Yeah, awesome. And, uh, you know, Syed, we've uh, we've known each other for, for a good long while. And I, I have always, uh, you know, since I started to impress this, I guess it would be, uh, I guess, a number of months ago now. I've been <laughs> wanting to get you on the show. I'm glad we were able to finally make it work. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy that, you know, uh, I, I was able to do this uh, and i know we've, we've we go way back um several years even before you roll at wp engine so yeah yep 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 fun stuff so in today's episode we're going to talk about uh lessons i had you learned from buying and selling multi-million dollar plug-in businesses um uh, you know the wordpress ecosystem the tools that people make for it is maturing changing and I think it's really interesting to get your insights um, considering your position. Now I know a lot of people know who you are, uh, maybe some don't, so maybe you could tell us a little bit about your WordPress origin story. How did you get involved with all this WordPress stuff? Uh, yeah, the origin story is, uh, is quite interesting because I was, uh, I think maybe I wasn't even 16 years old at the time, it was uh, 2006, right before I turned 16, I started using WordPress. Um, I discovered WordPress because I was in the SEO space and I needed a platform that could generate dynamic content, you know, something that that I could easily use to push out content left and right. And that's how I discovered WordPress and started using it myself. And I started to, you know, see how powerful uh, this platform was even at that time and the potential of it um, and, you know, started using it to create different kind of websites, um, consulting, using it all across my affiliate marketing business. Um, I got more involved with the community um, three years into using WordPress uh, when I started WP Beginner, uh, primarily because I, I wanted to have a resource for um, my clients that wanted 
to you know just answers on how to do XYZ things in WordPress. And I saw an opportunity at that stage because all of the websites at the time were created by developers for developers. And you know, WP Beginner was really my um, entrance into the WordPress community where we started giving back um, by just creating free tutorials. Um, and you know, eight and a half years later, WP Beginner is still you know 100% free. Every single piece of content that we write, um, we try to make it relatively ad-free as well. You know. You really can't buy ads on WP Beginner. We so, Syed, that's kind of interesting to hear you say that that you know WP Beginner was kind of your genesis into the WordPress community. Because I know for a lot of people, WP Beginner itself is their kind of genesis into the WordPress community. <laughs> uh, so it's kind of funny to hear that. So so you're doing WP Beginner, and you know uh, again, very powerful site, helping a lot of people out. I've certainly read articles there, um, but. You're doing publishing, and then um, all of a sudden you're in the plugin business. Um, can you tell me kind of how uh, that started? How did you first get into it? What made you think, geez, I need to own a plugin and, and do stuff with it? Uh, you know, like you, I, I looked at all the companies that would advertise or would want to advertise in WP Beginner. There were other theme companies and plugin companies, and I wasn't really interested in in, in that space. Um, but you know, people kept asking which tools that we were using on WP Beginner. Um, and some of the stuff I had created custom or had created custom for my site, like one of the first plugins was a uh, floating share button that basically copied what Mashable was doing. And everybody wanted to know how the heck Mashable was doing it. And we were like the only other site on, <laughs> in the world that was doing it. And it looked exactly like Mashable. Uh, so I launched that. It was like a lead gen tool. Same thing, you know, everybody had pop-ups, like pop-ups isn't something new. Um, you know, we started doing pop-ups on Exit and everybody's like, what tool are you using? And I'm like, you know, the amount of requests we're that. getting, the amount of requests we're getting for this one feature, right? There's so much demand here. We need we need to make that into a product. Um, you know, and I, I partnered with Thomas Griffin, started Optin Monster. Uh, and, you know, that was, that, that was the first paid plugin that, uh, that I, that I started selling, um, that was my own, you know, it was not, it was not like a JV deal where I was doing it as an affiliate or something like that. Um, that was, that was my own. Um, and then, you know, merged with Thomas's other two plugins, uh, Soliloquy and Vira later down. And then, you know, from there, it, you know, just started, I, I really started getting a hold of the business, you know, went on to build WB Forms, bought US Analytics, rebranded to Monster Insights, created tons of free plugins like insert headers and footers, insert post ads. Uh, I mean, the list goes on uh, for the free plugins. That's it's uh, even longer list than I realized you're managing. <laughs> so opt-in Monster. So let, let me understand this. Um, certainly exit intent pop-ups. And I remember actually while uh, you were launching that and around that time as people saw that, uh, there was this kind of, oh my gosh, I got to have that that thing. Um, kind of reminds me a little bit of how people were first experiencing retargeting. Like, how did you do that? <laughs> um, right. And so, so you're saying that the genesis of, of Optin Monster was you had this. People kept asking you, "Oh my gosh, how you did that? How did you do that?" And then you decided at that point, this is something I could make into a product. Right. Right. So, you know, I was using before uh, Optin Monster. I was using uh, pop-up domination. And then Papa Domination was a little bit buggy, so I started using Pippity, which was a solution by the folks behind Headway Themes. Uh, and the challenge was that, that that solution was good, but it didn't scale. So as you started, as your site started getting a lot of traffic, the your site would slow down with that plugin. Um, so what? And then also people would complain, "Hey, I hate this pop-up that just like comes immediately, or you know, five seconds into the website." And I'm like, you know what? Uh, what if I showed them a pop-up? only when the user is leaving because then they clearly can't be annoyed, right? At least that was my thinking. And I'm like, you know, 
that would be the most ideal time. And, you know, I looked up and there was a function in, you know, JavaScript that was created in in the 90s, 90s in jQuery in 2006 that allows you to track the mouse behavior and show the pop-up only when you exit. And I'm like, oh, snap, this, this is really cool. <laughs> let's, let's just use this little bit of jQuery and turn this into a plugin. It's so um, funny how such little things can be productized <laughs> into something powerful. You're like, it's just a standard part of jQuery and JavaScript you know, created a long time ago and you're able to kind of leverage it to, to bring something to life like this. So that's interesting. So let me talk to you, kind of shift gears for a quick second. Um, wh- when you when you bought your first plugin, when you went out there and said, I want to own this, uh, how, what was your motivation for that? What made you think that that was a good idea? Um, and give me kind of a brief rundown. Um, we'll take a break after that and then come back and dig deeper. Sure. Uh, so the first two plugins that I bought were uh, Soliloquy and Environment Gallery. Um, they were owned by my co-founder, Thomas Griffin. And, you know, those were completely separate things that Thomas had started um, before, you know, partnering with me on Optin Monster. And as a matter of fact, there's like a history behind there too. And I, when I actually helped him in the early days by giving him ideas for Soliloquy and then he kind of <laughs> went off and did it on his own. Um, but, you know, there was, there was some conflict uh, because our focuses weren't aligned. And the reason why I wanted to buy into the plugin, you know, it was so we could collectively work to grow the entire pie versus trying to grow individual projects. And Thomas saw how powerful, how powerful the marketing, um, you know, channels that we had were. Um, so it made a lot of sense to to buy those plugins, and those were the first uh, like commercial plugins that I bought. Did what was your thinking behind, like, what went really right or wrong when you did that? Um, I think the best thing that I that I did during the time, and it was an advice from uh, from my legal team, something that I learned previously um, from my mentors and the lawyers, was to keep everything in separate companies. And you know, when I, when I was buying it, Thomas uh, had both of these uh, plugins under you know a single LLC. I think it was like Thomas Griffin Media, or maybe it was Griffin Media LLC. Um, and you know, to so when I when I went in and I went to buy into the company and obviously Thomas was my partner in it uh, and so we basically separated it out we created two new entities and you know Thomas Griffin Media sold its stake to these two respective entities um, where I was a 50% owner and then Thomas was a 50% owner um, and this was by far the best decision because it allowed it to keep you know separate accounts separate taxes, um, separate recurring subscriptions, right? So when, when we went to sell this business, like, you know, several years down the road, we didn't have to worry about, oh, are, how are we going to move these PayPal subscriptions over? Oh, how are we going to move these Stripe subscriptions over, et cetera? We were like, hey, here, we're going to hand you over these accounts, um, which made things a whole lot easier among, you know, just value, evaluating the business when you go to sell. It's a lot easier when your books are super clean. Um, so separating uh, the entities out into, separating the plugins out into its own entities was by far like the best decision that I made during that time. It sounds uh, like really, really sound advice, especially if you're trying to have modularity in your business units um, to make them more flexible like that. It reminds me of 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 a kind of saying we say when picking systems, which is move slow and act purposeful. It sounds like you were thinking about the future and acting purposeful with that. Um, So that's that's. Really interesting. Well, we're going to take a quick break and when we get back, I want to dive more into your insights around uh, selling plugins and, and kind of some lessons you learned there. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Time to plug into a commercial break. Stay tuned for more Press This in just a moment. Hello, I'm Hector Elizondo and I want to talk to you about getting older. My body hurts, my joints ache, and sometimes I forget. Yeah. 
I forget that doing all your own scenes for a movie isn't always the best decision, especially when you're galloping high speed on a horse named Archibello. So yes, my body hurts, but it's not because of my age. It's because I'm living my life. Don't let life pass you by. Take care of your brain health. It may just help you stay on top of your game. Oh, Archibello! Learn more at brainhealth.gov. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Let's press forward with more Press This, only on webmasterradio.fm. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Press This, the WordPress community podcast on Webmaster Radio. We're interviewing Syed Balki about buying and selling multi-million dollar plug-in businesses. Syed, uh, before the break, we were talking a little bit about uh, plugins you purchased and, you know, valuation, you're talking about how you kept the entity separate so that way you could make them more modular within your business strategy. But when it comes to valuing a plugin that, that you might be looking to buy, um, there's kind of two sides to it, right? There's uh, the side of uh, how much is the plugin worth and then what is the potential future opportunities for you as a business? How did you think about those as you purchase plugins? Right. So uh, one, one of the things, you know, obviously valuation, there's so many things that are that are part of it. Um, I have a very like simple rule. Again, this is a simple rule that, uh, that I followed in my real estate business as well, um, is that I value the business where it's at. Um, not where it would be with my vision or with the work that I'm going to do, because who knows, you know, maybe what I'm thinking might not work at all. And doesn't. so I, and I, I don't want to have overpaid for the thing. So I'm always looking at, um, you know, where the business is at right now um, without my involvement at all. And where is it going right now without my involvement at all? Um, so some of the factors, you know, that, you, that we're looking into the valuation, you know, obviously is the revenue, the growth, the EBITDA, the churn, the ARPU, um, and, and also like, you know, from, uh, what our users are wanting, right? So we do a census on WP beginners by every year where, you know, one of the questions I ask is if you could have us build one product, uh, what would it be and how much you would pay for? And a lot of the acquisition decisions or the new product decisions that we make, um, come from that particular census. And that census is happening right now. Like, you know, I pushed that out yesterday on WP beginner and we're getting tons and tons of great ideas from there. So if you if you if you value then based on more of the kind of academic exercise of revenue and churn and EBITDA and all that stuff, um, certainly you're making the decision on which to purchase though on which opportunity is greater with which because you know what I mean it's just not an exercise of buying a profitable business it's all you're doing it strategically I would imagine absolutely how do you, how do you balance that like is that factoring into the decisions how do you think about that. 
Um, honestly, the the first two plugins that I bought, the strategic decision was to make to make sure that Thomas and I were on the same page and we were, we had the same focus, not divided goals. Um, that w- that was the biggest strategic uh, thing, you know, for us at that point or for me at that time, because I knew that Optin Monster had a lot more potential than really any of the other products uh, between Soliloquy and Envira. And I couldn't really have, uh, you know, Thomas's attention go there where he was trying to run that separate company kind of on his own while we were trying to run Optin Monster as a completely separate company. And I thought bringing that under one umbrella would give us a lot of strategic advantage. And it did, right? Because it allowed us to consolidate, it allowed us to focus on 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 the same goals, you know, use our resources um, more efficiently uh, and, and, you know, have everything grow the whole pie grow so that was the biggest uh strategic advantage there but you know when when for example i bought uh yoast analytics um you know google analytics for wordpress by yoast and rebranded to monster insights the strategic uh goal there was from our wp beginner census right we know that our users wanted this solution and honestly i really wanted this solution because nobody else was doing um analytics right right you can and but people just think that you all you have to do is place a analytics script at the footer and you have everything right. Um, but yeah, like very you know, much of that, yeah. <laughs> marketers and savvy marketers know that that's not that's not all right. You have to do event tracking and all this. And I just wished, and I know WordPress is so flexible. A, a plugin can hook in all different areas and add the right events. And I wanted that solution for myself. And I know that other businesses would happily pay for it. Um, and that's why I bought um, Yoast Analytics because that was something that, you know, Yoast really wasn't focusing on because, you know, he was completely crushing it with his SEO business. And I wanted to go in that space because it complemented, um, you know, what we were doing at Optin Monster and the users were asking for this because analytics is very, very important in measuring the success of your, uh, whatever campaign that you're doing, whether it's an Optin campaign, whether it's a uh, forums campaign, whatever that, that you're doing. So I think it's interesting, say I think most of my questions you've answered with because the users were asking for it. Right. Um, I think it's really uh, telling how you're you're thinking about these things. I think it's also interesting how you're doing your surveys to kind of get a better feel for what your audience wants. Um, so you've purchased some plugins uh, because of the situation, right? The situation with Thomas. Uh, you've purchased others, um, maybe a little more weighted towards opportunity, like the one with Yoast. We've seen other people in the plugin space go on plugin buying sprees, taking over projects and org and other things like that. Um, we also see, of course, the ecosystem kind of shifting a little bit, right? The models of the past aren't necessarily going to be the models of the future. And and, and perhaps there's plugins and, and systems out there dying on the vine. Is there a land grab opportunity now? Should everybody start looking to see, geez, what, what projects are abandoned, what opportunities aren't being taken advantage of? Is, is that what's going on right now in the ecosystem? Um, I think, you know, as, as the ecosystem mature, you have to, you have to pay attention to this because, you know, acquisition is like probably one of the better ways and faster ways to grow, um, because you already have an existing user base. Um, you know, like if for, for me, uh, to create a Google analytics plugin, like the one that I wanted and start from zero would have been by far like the stupidest thing because there were already like, you know, Yoast, uh, which is a top 14 plugin in WordPress, right? Closer to 2 million active installs. There was another analytics plugin. Uh, I mean, there was like a handful of analytics plugin each with like either a million install or half a million install or above, right? So so going from zero would have been super slow. Um, and yes, you know, when you buy an existing one, you have uh, to worry about legacy issues, um, you know, 
rewrite, code rewrites and all that, but it still saves you a whole lot of time in building an audience. Like imagine how long it would take me to build like a 1.9 million or whatever, you know, the number is uh, that audience. So what's that break even number? I mean, maybe you don't have an exact number, but what's the range? Like if I have a plugin, I've got a hundred users and some technology that you have to inherit and versus, you know, a million users that you have to uh, inherit the technology with obviously the, the millions may be okay maybe obviously the 500 is too low like or do you start to think geez i could just go build this and find these users myself you know like for for the forms plugin we built wp forms from the grounds up but that wasn't our uh that wasn't our first choice um we would have liked to buy an existing solution out and we did approach several people um but you know obviously the each of them had their business reasons for not selling to us. Um, and that's, that's all right. And then, you know, so we went out and built WP forms from the ground up. Um, but yeah, you know, if I was looking to go in the WordPress ecosystem and I was, and I had a little bit of cash, I would look to buy an existing plugin, even if it had 10,000 installs versus, you know, you go, you trying to start from scratch. Um, just, just because it's a, it's, it's a better way to do it in my opinion. Mention that, um, you tried to buy, another forum plugin by the way i just want to give a shout out for wb forums really awesome plugin you guys did a really good job there um but you, you mentioned that the plugin authors uh, did not want to sell and you mm-hmm. recently sold two plugins um so how did you make that leap like if, if these were good strategic decisions for you in the past is this just a cashing out exercise why would you uh, take on those projects, help to make them grow, and then uh, and then now sell them. What was the motivation behind that? Right. So you know, over the years, our company has evolved, um, and we have you know clearly refined our mission um, and vision. You know, kind of thing what, where we're going. You know, what's our purpose? Why why are we really doing what we're doing? Um, and what we realized is we're really really good at building growth tools, and that's what we're passionate about. And that's what I'm passionate about, to be honest. Um, and you know, these two plugins didn't fit in in the bigger picture like you know where we're trying to go in the next year in the next three years in the next five years um and you know then this was very very obvious um in the year of 2017 and you know even from the latter half of 2016 as we started to pay less and less attention to these two properties so you know while, while the organic growth was happening just because the pie of wordpress is growing um you know we as, as a company we're not putting a lot of uh resources behind these plugins. There were, you know, there were like a silo team that was working on it, but it wasn't getting the kind of attention from myself um, or from Thomas. And I think the team inside knew, knew that as well. Um, you know, they, they could feel that our, all of our focus was on Optin Monster. You know, that's our flagship product. Um, and then also with WP Forms and the Monster Insights, that, that because those things work so well together, like I can cross-sell, um, you know, Optin Monster to a Monster Insights user. I can cross-sell Optin Monster to a WP Forms user or vice versa. Um, but it was kind of hard to say, Hey, you bought Optin Monster, go try out um, our gallery software. Right? That's, that doesn't really work. So we wanted to have a, you know, a suite of products that we could cross sell and that have a better synergy across the board versus not. And that that brought us to a decision, hey, you know, we could keep these plugins, which, you know, have recurring revenue, very good recurring revenue um, and extremely high profit margins and completely do a private equity play where we just, you know, buy it and let it die. Right. We own it and we just don't invest anything and let it die. But that w- we wouldn't be serving our users that way. Um, so so that was the decision, hey, if we, if we sold it to a right buyer who's committed, because these are solid products and, you know, they're really, really good businesses, um, is just not where we're going, going forward. And that, yeah, that makes sense. 
Yeah, no, totally. That makes sense. Um, you know, it's interesting to hear you say that because it's this, you know, it's, it's essentially a profitable business unit. And uh, you, you're kind of realizing, I guess, in a sense that your your time, your attention is also part of that calculation. Um, and then, of course, the synergy part also makes sense. So, say we're going to take one more quick break. And when we get back, I want to dig a little bit more into all this. So, uh, everybody hang tight. We'll be right back. Time to plug into a commercial break. Stay tuned for more Press This in just a moment. There are over 70 million active podcast listeners in the U.S. WebmasterRadio.fm reaches them all with the largest global distribution of any online business-to-business podcast network. Through iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, we can target and place your message in front of those active listeners immediately. Now, your message can be delivered with less commitment and investment on over 20 hours of weekly original content hosted by the most respected names in digital marketing. Email sales at webmasterradio.fm today and get your message delivered now. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Let's press forward with more Press This, only on webmasterradio.fm. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Press This, the WordPress community podcast on Webmaster Radio. We're interviewing Mr. Syed Bauke about buying and selling multi-million dollar plugin businesses. Syed, before the break, we were talking about uh, the two plugins you recently sold. You shared that it wasn't real good synergy with your business. You weren't spending enough uh, time uh, being, uh, with your attention on it, and you felt it just wasn't a good fit. So, so you wanted to make an exit on those. Uh, but I wanted to shift gears a little bit and talk about uh, if, if someone is going to be buying a plugin business or starting one, um, some, some things that might uh, help them or be insightful for them. So I uh, know a lot of people in the plugin business and everyone is vying for, for you know, top 10 plugin uh, use, the highest number of users, highest number of active installs, all kinds of debates on how that's measured, who's the top, all that kind of stuff. Competition is even fierce within the categories, right? You just can't go make a plugin anymore and, and have it be successful. So what do you think um, plugins must do to stand out in the future? Uh, yeah, I think it's, you know the early movers definitely have an advantage, but I think the newcomers, their biggest advantage is usability. I think there's a lot of uh, markets out there in the WordPress ecosystem where you know the top candidate is definitely not the best solution, um, or what the best solution should look like. It just 
has the de facto title of the best solution because it is the most popular one right now and it does things halfway right. You know, um, so I think the best thing you can do is to really think about the usability and the user workflows um, and fix that, right? When we created the contact form plugin, WP Forms, we, you know, we were not the first contact form plugin in the market. Uh, there were like, you know, probably hundreds, if not thousand uh, other plugins that, that existed um, before that, but none of them were approaching contact forms like how we did it um, from a user usability point of view, um, you know, where we where we made it super easy with pre-made form templates. And by the way, this was some this was nothing new, right? Form templates is nothing new. This exists in other SaaS solutions out there, but you know, WordPress ecosystem just wasn't doing it. Right. And we said, hey, you know what? These SaaS companies clearly understand the user workflow um, and they're they're doing it really, really well. I really enjoy using that. Why don't we just bring that kind of workflow into WordPress and make forms easy for beginners? Right. And again, that was one of the things that we saw in their WP Beginner user census. And I, I was surprised. I'm like, why do people want to? want us to create contact forms. And when I asked, and that was the reason, you know, form creation is too hard. There were stupid things in there, right? And so we improve usability. I think if you are going into a market, and I know there's several categories, and you might think that they're crowded, but, you know, if you look through your top competitors or the top top guys, I bet you that a lot of them are not looking at it from a user point of view um, and fixing that, fixing the usability issues, you can definitely get it. I like started. to think about it as like, I don't want to be the only one. I just want to be the best one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned usability and, you know, you guys have done a good job of that with WP Forms. And, you know, Gutenberg is is looming here, I guess, March or April, whenever the, the 5.0 release date is. Um, so you think that, you know, I, I guess as Gutenberg is released, plugin authors will have to kind of update their plugins. Um, so I'm guessing some won't. Do you see this as an opportunity to say, hey, geez, I might be able to get in somewhere where uh, maybe these abandoned plugins will, will now be really be pressure tested with um, really kind of a major, major update to WordPress core? Absolutely. I think that's a that's a great time um, and opportunity because, you know, for theme authors that have like created these complex builders and now, you know, it's just way better to use Gutenberg and they may not want to go and rewrite all 80 of their themes. That could be a great opportunity. Same goes for plugins, right? Uh, there, there might be plugins that simply don't have the resources or maybe the author is no longer interested in rewriting the plugin from grounds up. And by the way, some of the plugins don't need to be written from grounds up, right? Um, so that's, that's a, another misconception around Gutenberg. Not everything needs to be rewritten like if you're interacting with the editor itself sure but you know if you like wp supercache doesn't need to really be rewritten you know right because it's outside um and so you know there's some some there's like a little bit blown out of proportion not everything needs to be written some do, some do others don't um but i think this is definitely an opportunity space uh for those who are not willing to update um they might be able, they might sell it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I'm, I just got to say, I'm also a big fan of the Gutenberg project. I really love the effort to make WordPress more usable for the end users. I love the concept of blocks. There are some things that some authors of uh, themes and plugins uh, will have to do. Um, but you're right. There's a lot of them out there that won't uh, won't have those problems. And I can tell you uh, from, from my uh, view within the WordPress org Slack channels, um, the team uh, working on Core is very committed to uh, helping make sure that that backward compatibility is 
as solid as possible. So uh, there's a good team behind it, but I, I think fundamentally the effort around usability is, is super, super important. So you also mentioned earlier, and I know uh, particularly I think with Optin Monster, uh, perhaps Monster Insights as well, that, that you're leveraging uh, more SaaS-like models rather than here's a zip file of some code that does all the stuff. And it's uh, your plugins are a blend of these things in, in some sense. How do you see that playing out in the future? Um, do you think plugins will... Uh, will wait towards here's uh, all the things you need in a zip file. Do you think they'll be augmenting more and more with SAS? Uh, you know, that's a, that's a tricky thing. I think, you know, some things should always be in a zip file and others should always be in a SAS. Uh, and I, I just tweeted about a little bit, you know, go a rant on A-B testing. You know, not everything is meant to be done inside WordPress and A-B testing is one of those because there could be so many issues that happening, whether it's caching, whether it's hosting configuration, whether it's scalability or whatnot. Um, we look for, you know, what, what do we need to do to build a better solution for our end users? Um, and whenever that becomes, um, you know, SaaS becomes the answer, then we try to go down that route. And that's, that's, that's what we did with Optin Monster, right? We realized that our analytics were not accurate with WordPress because, you know, admin Ajax would crash most high traffic sites if we kept loading it on every page um, for, for reporting analytics and updating database, right, on every, every page. That was just not scalable. Same thing with A-B testing. That was keep getting broken and then and integrations. So it just made a lot of sense for us to move Optin Monster to a SaaS model to, to actually deliver a product that was, you know, far superior. And, you know, since since we moved to SaaS, there's like, I don't know how many hundred other pop-up plugins that came about. Um, but I wouldn't, you know, I know from building a WordPress plugin that that revolve around conversions, um, that most of them, what their flaws are and what their limitations are, because they simply can't do those limitations exist because of the very nature of the plugins and interactions are. Um, so I think, uh, you know, as you, as you business starts to grow and you see in certain areas, uh, if SaaS is valuable, then that's definitely the way to go about it. And obviously it gives you a lot more control. You can push out updates in real time without, you know, requiring the user to update. And that's, that's, a really, really good park. Um, and I really enjoy that. benefits. I love how you talked about uh, um, performance as well. Absolutely. It's such a big deal. You know, another word for SaaS is offloading. Yes. Right. I don't need all of these functions executing on the back end of my CMS. Uh, some of these things can go elsewhere. Uh, Metric, for example, does an awesome job right. exactly. with uh, e-commerce. Absolutely. And and it's not can. I think some of them should. You know, I think like just because WordPress can do everything doesn't mean it should do everything. Um, and that's I think that's a that's that's a fine line um, where you know I know some people would take get really offended about that. But I think from a practical point of view. It's true. Um, for, for also, from a plugin business point of view, you know, SaaS. Anytime you you can add value from an API uh, slash SaaS style thing, it just makes your plugin that much more valuable. Um, if you're trying to scale it, you know, I, I I think a lot of people accept that that's an advantage that offloading. But you mentioned that some people might not like it. They want they want all the code kind of bundled into one thing, and this kind of brings up the the kind of the concept the the. I guess the concept of you know the blend of open source and proprietary features. Um, so you know WordPress is an open source project. Plugins, at least within uh, .org, are open source contributions. And so, how do you think about the blend between what you contribute from an open source perspective to org versus what you might feature lock in uh, for paid services? Uh, you know, anytime there's like cost for us to serve something um, from our servers, those those have to be you know tied to some sort of API and SaaS. Uh, but like, you know, WP Forms is 100% open source uh, because I don't 
I don't really see a need for for what we're doing right now um, to be put into a SaaS, right? There, I mean, there's tons of other solutions that already exist in the SaaS space that are crushing it, right? Vufu is doing a great job. Formstack is doing a great job. I don't think that's a market that we really want to go compete in because we're doing an excellent job providing the solution that WordPress users want from a form provider. Um, now, you know, if, if we if we start doing something really sophisticated, um, you know, with lead scoring or whatnot, at that point, yeah, I think that that should be offloaded. But, you know, the that's I think you have you have to find a balance. Not everything needs to be SaaS um, and not everything should be SaaS. Uh, some some plugin authors might say, oh, well, SaaS, great opportunity, monthly recurring revenue. I need to make my entire plugin SaaS. Terrible idea. Think about the usability. Think about what the users want. Think about how if going SaaS will improve your product. If it doesn't, That's don't waste your time. Awesome. And uh, you, know, you said it at the beginning of that balance. And I think that's a really uh, neat way to think about that. Well, Syed, thank you so much for coming on the show today. This was awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you, David. Sweet. Well, you can catch up more on what Syed is up to. Check uh, out his properties, WP Beginner Opt-in Monster, WP Forms, pretty cool form plugin, and Monster Insights. Uh, just a reminder, next week's episode is our new monthly recurring segment, Word Around the Campfire, with the latest news from WordPress Core and the WordPress community. Thanks, everyone, for listening to Press This, the WordPress community podcast on Webmaster Radio. As always, you can subscribe on iTunes or iHeartRadio or find us at webmasterradio.fm. Again, this is your host, Dave. David Vogelpohl. I support the WordPress community through my role at WP Engine, and I love to bring the best of the community to you here every week on Press This. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.